It's that time again, Mr. Dan. Do you know what time it is? Leave me alone. I'm having a cigarette. Well then, you'll never know the secrets that I'm about to impart here on The Weird. I sound like an old movie star. I remember when I worked with Richard Burton and he finger-banged me in my dressing room and I liked it. That's what I sound like. I sound like, yeah, Lauren Bacall or something. You do not sound anything like Lauren, Lauren Bacall. But she would have said something like that. I remember she when... She absolutely do. Foul mouth Lauren Bacall. I don't think she is, actually. I think she's quite classy. She's one of the few uh, actresses of that era who, like, let herself age gracefully mm-hmm. and didn't turn into a plastic mummy. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's not why we're here. We're here, Dan, because we're bringing the dear listeners another episode. I'm going to talk like this all yeah, night. Do it, do it, do it. Another episode of The Weird. Oh. Okay. And this is my week. It sure is, Riley. It sure is your week, and you have been reminding me all week that this is your week, and uh, to get out of your lawn, you said. Get off my lawn. My lawn's doing really well. Anyway, all that rain. All that rain. Dan, you loved Robert the Doll. I did. (laughs) Yes, I did. You had an unhealthy love for Robert the Doll. I just found it equal parts terrifying and cute. Yeah, it was, and and once you see the doll... The actual physical representation of Robert the Doll. You know why it's just so... You know, you know, Riley, Robert the Doll is uh, one of our our most listened to shows. I would have thought like Zodiac or, you know, uh, Jack the Ripper would have really pulled in some numbers. It actually does surprise me sometimes which ones people gravitate uh, more to than others. Yeah, that one very early on for, for in the first six months of our, our show... That was the number one episode. Well, let's see, Dan, if it's just the fact that people love the idea of a haunted doll. Because, Dan, Mm -hmm. this week I am going to bring you the story of one of the most famous haunted dolls in the entire world, Annabelle. Oh, the, that's like the, the, I guess next to Robert the doll, that would be like the big one, right? Yeah, Annabelle's a biggie. And she also... Touches on Ed and Lorraine Warren. Mm. And the Warrens is something I'm going to do in a coming episode. Uh, You know I bought some books that I'm currently reading. And um, I plan to do a double episode on the Warrens because, I mean, you cannot do a show like ours without talking about the Well, so many times, so many of the things that you and I have talked about, the Warrens have been involved. Well, yeah, Amityville, right? And a whole bunch of other stuff. Amityville, the... um, Exorcism that you talked about. the, The English werewolf story they were not the, not the awful werewolf of bedberg no not the awful werewolf of bedberg but they are they are kind of like the um fox and uh not fox uh scully and Mulder. why did i say fox oh because his first um, name is fox fox Mulder. it is fox Mulder. yeah yeah okay good okay i wasn't losing so my dan mind. have you ever seen any of those horrendous annabelle movies i have not Good. Don't waste your time. They're terrible. Oh, really? They're terrible? Okay. Yeah, because they're from the Conjuring universe, and I love the Conjuring films, and I thought they would be good, but they're not. I've never even seen the Conjuring, and but I, I've heard the Conjuring is good, though. All of them are good, I think. Okay. All three. Okay, good. There's yeah. a fourth on the way as well. I think they're just really well done, because I like a, I like a horror movie or a, a, a movie like that, I guess a supernatural thriller, where part of the joy of the movie is solving the mystery of why the ghost is there. So you learn what has caused this problem, this manifestation, yes. right? Instead of just like a blood and gut slasher, there's more to it. And that's why I love The Conjurings. So, Dan, I'm going to tell you the story of Annabelle the Doll, one of the most famous paranormal artifacts in the United States. 
Okay, the year is 1970. And we have a young nursing student named Donna. Now, there's a problem with the accounts of this story. A lot of them say that her name was actually Deidre Bernard. But we're going to go with Donna because that's where that's the name I've encountered more than Deidre. Okay? In any event, we know that she was a nursing student. And she moved into uh, an apartment and she is given a doll by her mother as a gift. It's kind of a gag gift because the occasion was her 28th birthday. Okay, yeah. Mm -hmm. So she's not a kid. She's a grown-ass woman. And her mother hoped that the doll would bring a little joy and humor to her daughter's apartment. Now, Donna loved the gift, thought it was hilarious, brought it back to her apartment, which, incidentally, she shared with another nursing student named Angie. And in the stories where we are calling Donna Deidre, those stories call Angie Lara or Lara Clifton. But we're going to call her Angie. Just because I also love that name. Hey, Angie. Sorry, Angie is the real name or the... the, the f- we don't know. Her name oh, is we don't know it, Angie it or Lara. And Donna could be Deidre. We don't know. So when Donna gets back to the apartment, she places the doll on her bed, just between the pillows. Now, it's important to note that Annabelle is not what a lot of people think she is. She's not one of those creepy-looking, like Victorian-looking porcelain dolls mm-hmm. with the, you know, the one eye that doesn't close and mm-hmm. just really... just by very virtue of how they look, they look are like little children, those dolls. Yes. She's not that at all. She's a Raggedy Ann doll. Oh. Which were super popular in the 1970s. Oh, and that's why. That, yeah. yeah, in the 60s and 70s, they were popular. Uh, just so you know, just to give you a bit of background, if we have younger listeners, Raggedy Ann was a character that had appeared in a number of children's books that had been written by a guy named Johnny Gruel. And those books were written between 1880 and about 1938. In 1915, the doll version of the Raggedy Ann character was first uh, manufactured and introduced and marketed alongside a book entitled Raggedy Ann Stories. At that point in 1915, it was massively successful and Raggedy Ann became a cultural staple that lasted all the way up through the 70s. I remember when I was a kid, Raggedy Ann was everywhere. I had no idea that they were that old. I know, I didn't either. Now, how come you're not mentioning Raggedy Andy? He was introduced in the Raggedy Ann stories. I'm not because this doesn't figure into the story at all. Well, I would like you to dive a little bit deeper into the whole Raggedy universe. Well, okay, Raggedy Andy was somebody that Raggedy Ann dated. She got knocked up. Yeah. The relationship went nowhere, and she ended up on social assistance, living in one of those hotels. One of those hotels. You know those hotels. That was so great. You know okay. the ones. You know the ones I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I know those hotels. You know, you can always drive by those hotels and you see like the barbecue outside and, you know, the stroller and tons of garbage. You know what's going on in that hotel. Mm-hmm. Do you know, I stayed in a hotel once in Boston and it was like the middle of the night and I looked outside and there was bright lights and I honestly thought a UFO had landed. So I went outside to see what was going on. What was going on was they had rented the whole upper floor and were filming a porn. No. Mm-hmm. No word of a lie. Wow. They were super nice. They were really nice, too. Interesting. So there was all these beautiful women in bathrobes standing up on the top tier because it was one of those top tiers with a rail around mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And they were all standing up there smoking and talking and having soft drinks. I got a free soft drink. They gave me like a Pepsi or something. But yeah, they were filming a porn. Did they invite you to come watch? <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it was, it was actually, Dad. It was surprisingly like not as not sleazy at all. It was all being very professionally done. Well, as professional as that can be. I remember seeing a documentary. This is a long time ago about how some of the older guard in that industry were really upset 
with the new guard coming in because they did have more of a family-like feel to their productions and they did want to protect the casts. Mm-hmm. And now it's more about, you know, taking advantage and and even like situations where the actors aren't being paid and it's, it's a bit more criminal-esque, I think, now. Now, did you I ever tell you the story that my music ended up in a porn? No! Yeah, some of my instrumental soundtrack music that I composed ended up in a porn. And you didn't give them permission? There's, and there's nothing, no, and it's like overseas and there's nothing you can do. Mm-hmm. It happens to almost all musicians. They just grab music from the internet and use it. So I was like, oh, well, at least I guess it's kind of flattering. Did you watch the movie? No. Okay. okay. So, Dan, let's go back to Donna. Now that you know, now that our listeners know all about the lore of Raggedy Ann, let's yes, go back to Donna. Read. She's in Connecticut, by the way. We're in Connecticut, okay. so... Okay. The heart of preppy beautifulness. Donna always left the doll with the arms and legs outstretched. However, when she would return home at night, she began to notice that the doll's arms and legs would be in different positions. Sometimes she'd have her arms crossed. Sometimes she'd have her ankles crossed like a good girl. And it was just never in the same position that she left it. And Don and Angie were both out at the same time. And there was no younger brother there to Nobody else there, just the two, two, two nursing students. And just be like, I'm just glad it was that era because Ted Bundy would have found them, you know? Mm, mm. So Donna and Angie um, also began to notice shortly thereafter that the dolls seemed to be moving from place to place of her own accord. So they'd leave her on the bed, they'd come home, she'd be on the couch. Sometimes too, Donna would leave the doll in her bed, go to work, come home, and the bedroom door would be shut. And she would find the doll in completely different locations. One night, Donna, Angie and Angie's boyfriend came home to find the doll kneeling on a chair and staring at the door. So weird. Just imagine you opened your front door and there, you know, was a doll facing Mm -hmm. you kneeling on a chair. Mm -mm -mm. They found this extremely unsettling and they accused each other of doing it as a practical joke. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Well, I would, wouldn't you? What are you doing, Ange? So they took the doll and they tried to recreate that kneeling position but the doll had no joints and no metal inside her so they could that sounded weird no no metal inside her limbs no but yeah yeah. so they could not successfully recreate the kneeling position i was gonna say that it was physically impossible yeah not long thereafter donna and angie began to discover handwritten notes throughout the apartment that read either help me or help us. Oh, (laughs) no. (laughs) I know, right? And this is pre-sticky notes. This is pre the whole era. So they noticed, well, they couldn't help but notice, the notes had been written in pencil on vintage parchment paper. Neither of the young women owned anything resembling vintage parchment paper. It was yellowed aged paper. Very brittle to the touch. So these weren't superstitious times, the 70s. And the girls, of course, jumped to the first conclusion that seemed reasonable, which was that there was an intruder. Yeah, exactly what I was going to say. Yeah. Yeah, someone's breaking into the apartment just to mess with their heads. However, this was pretty impossible because there was no way anyone could enter the space undetected. There was only one way into the apartment, and that was the front door. There was a fire escape, but it wasn't accessible. So in order to try to prove the intruder theory, they made marks on the windows and doors, Mm. used tape as well to try to catch the intruder. But these little marks and little thick mechanisms always remained undisturbed, and yet the Mm. doll was still moving around the apartment. 
I used to do that, by the way, when in my younger years as a teacher, where I would, uh, if we were on a field trip out to a, another city and the kids were staying in the hotel, to ensure that they didn't leave their room at night, you'd put the tape on their door so they couldn't they couldn't leave their room at night. What if there'd been a fire? No, you're not taping them in. It's if they if they opened their door in the middle of the night, you would know. And then oh, they. I thought you were. I thought shit. you were sealing their doors. Yeah, yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. It was fun. Did you catch them? Oh yeah. There was one group of kids uh, at the first school that I taught at. They were a terror show, and I loved them so much because it was not mean spirited. They were just trying to have fun, and and they were really good kids <laughs> and really smart. <laughs> so I was very much their foil, but it was all in love. Like we, we got along well. They were good they were kids, being and, they, and they never did anything actually bad. Like no one ever got hurt or anything. So yeah, they're being teenagers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On one occasion, Dan, Donna, and Angie came home to find the doll's hands smeared with what appeared to be blood. <gasps> oh, yeah, seriously. Oh, no. There were also three drops of blood on the doll's white apron because okay, Raggedy- but why don't you just get rid of the doll at this point? I know, right? So Raggedy Ann wore a white apron. Many of our listeners might not know that. She wore a white apron because, of course, she was a female doll. And back in the day, they wore aprons. Yeah, there was also blood on the apron. So, Dan, you'll be pleased to know. You'll be pleased to know it was at that point that the women finally decided that the doll was haunted and that some kind of intervention was going to be in order. Okay. So, they found a medium. Okay. A medium. You you know, you always go to a medium. Mm Mm-hmm. And they asked the medium to come to the apartment and try to get to the bottom of what was going on. This is the exciting part because I love when mediums are called in. It's always a good time. (laughs) So the medium conducted a seance, of course, Mm -hmm. and determined that the doll was possessed by the spirit of a seven-year-old girl named Annabelle Higgins, who had once lived in that area. Oh. The spirit, however, remembered the area as being nothing more than lovely fields and trees. So the area, it goes back to a time when the area was undeveloped. Mm. I would note, Annabelle Higgins' body had actually been found years earlier at the exact location of where their apartment complex was built. Oh, like how long ago? I I don't know. I assume I assume when the building was being built, they were excavating and came across the body of an Annabelle Higgins. Wow. So the medium explained, and I don't think I'm going to be telling you anything you're not already thinking, that the spirit of Annabelle was trapped at that yeah. location. Not unusual. And the spirit had been drawn to the doll, which she wanted to play with because she was spiritually seven years old because spirits don't age. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She also loved to be around the two young women who reminded her of her own childhood friends. So it wasn't really anything malevolent at all. It was something quite beautiful. And the medium noted, and with utter certainty, that the spirit of Annabelle was kind and only desired love and companionship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And indeed, the medium said that Annabelle spoke to her and, and I quote, wanted to stay with them and to be loved. So this is actually quite a beautiful story. So the two nurses at that point were very relieved because they had an answer to other questions. Yeah. And they took pity on the lonely spirit and decided that Annabelle could indeed remain in the doll and in their presence, and they would just learn to live with it now that they knew what it was. Because what you don't understand, you're afraid of. But once you understand it, the fear goes away. Sure. So, Dan, from that day on, the doll became officially Annabelle. So that was the day it got its name, and the girls treated it differently. 
They recognized now that the sad spirit of a child resided within the toy and they treated her like sort of an in absentia roommate, like she was there but not there. Mm. Now, Angie's boyfriend was not as trusting as the two women. He was very suspicious of the doll. And he felt that it wasn't friendly and sweet at all, but that it was malevolent and couldn't be trusted. Mm. And it seemed that the doll could sense his emotions because he began to have terrifying dreams and feelings of dread. One night, as he slept in the apartment, he woke to find the doll perched on his chest. Oh, <laughs> oh no. The arms of the doll were wrapped around his throat and he was struggling to breathe. No. Absolutely. And the doll's dead black eyes were inches from his face and staring directly into his own eyes. Oh, God, are you serious? I'm totally serious. No matter how hard he fought and struggled, he could not free himself from the doll's grasp. Oh, my God. Finally, seconds before losing complete consciousness, he managed to free himself and threw the doll across the room. Yeah. On another occasion... He was in the apartment alone. I don't know why he would be in the apartment alone after that happened. But anyway, he was. He heard a strange rustling sound coming from the vicinity of Donna's bedroom. He entered the room and he found the doll lying face down on the floor in the corner of the room. As he walked towards the doll to see why it was on the floor, he felt a sharp pain radiate across his chest and was horrified to see bloody claw marks suddenly appear. There was blood all over his shirt, and two days later, the marks vanished. So it was like an animal clawing across his chest, tore his shirt. The doll is on the floor, but something, some sort of phantom animal-y type thing clawed him at the chest. You got it, my friend. Okay. So as I said, two days later, the marks disappeared, healed very quickly. As time passed... The presence of the spirit proved to be too much for all the residents of the apartment. Uh -huh. So they decided it was time to take action. And they contacted a Father Hagen, and he was an Episcopal priest. And they explained what had been happening, the attacks, the movement of the doll, and what the medium's findings were. Mm -hmm. He then alerted his superior, a guy named Father Cook, who then reached out to paranormal researchers Ed and Lorraine Warren. He had worked with them before. Why are you looking at your phone? Because I'm I'm being reminded of something that I want to I don't I want to have the name for it when I bring it up. So Dan, as I said uh, to you at the beginning of the episode, I'm going to do a real deep dive into Ed and Lorraine Warren. So we're not going to yeah. do that tonight, okay? Well, we're not talking about this part of the story, though. Yeah, of course we are, but oh, I'm not okay. going to talk about too much about them. Okay. So just to give the listeners a little bit of background, in 1952, the Warrens had founded the New England Society for Psychic Research. And they were getting to be pretty well known in paranormal circles. So the Warrens agreed to help and they conducted a preliminary assessment of the manifestation. And they concluded that the two young girls had made a very serious mistake by pitying the spirit and allowing it to remain in their home. Mm. They basically invited the spirit into their home. Mm. They said, basically, not basically, they said, come live with us. It's okay. Right? It's kind of like vampires. Once you invite them in, you're screwed. Summoning a demon, right? You're inviting it in, and once it's in, it's hard to get rid of. It's very hard, because like Ouija boards are gateways, right? Mm -hmm. 
So they also suggested after doing their investigation that the force inhabiting that doll was in fact demonic and in search of a human host to inhabit. Oh no. Oh yes. They said that the spirit of Annabelle had never existed. And it was all just the trickery of a very determined demonic entity. Oh, no. I didn't think we were going this way. Yeah. So the demon had found out about the history of Annabelle and had used that as a... Interesting. Paranormal disguise. Yeah. Once the girls had given, like I said earlier, the entity permission to possess the doll, they had inadvertently given it free reign over their lives. And that was why physical attacks had begun, because the entity could now do whatever it wanted. The Warrens believed that the entity was actually so powerful that it would have eventually killed all three inhabitants of the apartment. What was the name of the one? Because this is reminding me so much of the one where, remember, there was the, the, the man, the old man spirit, but then there was like evil spirits as well in the house. That's what I'm trying to find. I can't remember the name. Did you do it? Yeah. It's bothering me so much because this is so like that one. The, the wire conting. The wire conting. That was it. So the Warrens believe that the entity would have eventually killed everybody in that apartment. And the Warrens stated as follows, and I quote, Spirits do not possess inanimate objects like houses or toys. They possess people. An inhuman spirit can attach itself to a place or object, and this is what occurred in the Annabelle case. This spirit manipulated the doll and created the illusion of it being alive in order to get recognition. Truly, The spirit was not looking to stay attached to the doll. It was looking to possess a human host. That's very terrifying. Mm -hmm. Like they dodged a bullet there. The Warren stated that the signs of demonic possession were very evident. And these signs were teleportation. The doll moved on its own. Materialization. The parchment appearing from nowhere with notes on it. And the mark of the beast, which were the claw marks. Oh, so these are very three, very, very clear markings that pointed in the demon direction Mm. and not markings, but uh, pieces of evidence. Mm -hmm. So given the dangers that are inherent in dealing with demonic forces, they asked Father Cook to conduct an exorcism at the haunted apartment. And immediately following that ritual, the Warrens, with the permission of Donna, took Annabelle out of the apartment and decided to bring it home with them. Okay. So they believe the object was so powerful that it could not be left in amateur hands. So they they believed, though, that this demonic entity possessed the doll, not necessarily the house. Removing the doll would take the entity out of that home. Hopefully. And also, they had just had an exorcism, remember? So hopefully, I guess, Father Cook had exorcised the demon. But they took the doll away just to be sure. When they moved the doll... The Warrens secured her to the back seat of their car with a seatbelt and decided not to take the highway just in case the demonic presence tried to cause an accident. <gasps> apparently this had happened to them before. As soon as they started to drive away, they immediately sensed the demonic presence was with them. And throughout the ride home, the brakes stalled and failed. And they almost on one occasion had a fatal crash. Ed claimed that he had actually lost complete control of the car several times during that perilous journey. And when he finally pulled over, he sprinkled holy water over the doll and the issues immediately ceased. Hmm. Can you imagine? You're no. in a car, there's a demon doll in the back and you can barely drive. You keep That's losing insane. control. I know. 
When the Warrens first came home, they placed the doll on a chair in uh, Ed's study. It had a, a study where they kept a lot of the objects at that time. And when they brought the doll home, they claimed that it levitated and moved freely around the house. Even when they locked Annabelle in Ed's office, it would appear in random locations throughout the home, just like it did in Donna's apartment. So it, the holy water just sort of contained it for that moment. Yeah, it kind of it tranquilized it. it. Yeah. Let's call yeah. it that. Like it, Yeah, it subdued it. It put it into sort of stasis, I guess. Uh, once, Lorraine was home by herself, and she heard deep guttural growls coming from the direction of her husband's office. And when she went and opened the door, the doll was just sitting there. Oh, my God. That's disgusting. <laughs> but can you that's imagine? Disgusting. How could they live with it? Why would they take that into their home? Well, they knew how to, they knew how to control it and I deal know. with it. Fuck. Jeez. I know. I know. A priest was visiting the Warrens because they had a lot of connections to the clergy because, you know, they were often asked to come in and work on cases. So a priest was visiting the Warrens to discuss the Annabelle case and he casually picked up the doll and he was very skeptical and he jokingly, and he jokingly said, uh, you are just a rag doll, Annabelle. You can't hurt anything. Ed at that point jumped in and said, you shouldn't be doing this. You should not toy with the entity because the entity that we've discovered in this doll is extremely dangerous and extremely powerful. A few hours later on the ride home, the priest's car was destroyed in a car accident <gasps> after the brakes failed and he barely escaped with his life. Oh, he claims that he saw Annabelle in the rear view mirror seconds before the crash. Oh no. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, he, he, he glanced at the rearview mirror, he saw Annabelle, and then the brakes failed, and he was almost killed. The, the car was completely destroyed. Ed and Lorraine at that point were, were saying, this is, this is bad, we need to really keep this under control. So they had a glass case constructed. On the front of the case, they had uh, inscribed the Lord's Prayer and St. Michael's Prayer. I'm not familiar with St. Michael's Prayer, but we all know the Lord's Prayer. But let's just leave it at the fact that it's two prayers. Would you like me to recite the Lord's Prayer? No, everyone knows the Lord's Prayer. For the remainder of... I'd like to recite it for you. Stop. Stop. Please. Drink your cola. Please. God. Let me recite the Lord's Prayer. Oh, my God. Annabelle, go visit Dan. For the remainder of his life, Ed Warren would routinely recite a binding prayer in the vicinity of Annabelle's case in order to ensure that that doll would never escape. Good news. The doll never moved again. Mm. This reminds me of Robert's, Robert's glass case. Exactly. Exactly. There is a sign on the case that reads, warning, positively do not open. You'll see that in the Conjuring film. But if you just search Annabelle, that's what you'll see. You'll see the doll in the glass case. Can I do that without you yelling at go me? Go for it. Yeah, go for it. You'll see her. She's just a uh, Raggedy Ann doll. She's the most innocuous looking haunted doll I think I've ever seen. You seeing her? Well, I'm seeing the ones from the movie. Oh, there, there she is. The one in the movie looks terrifying. It's stupid. Like it looks demonic but they should have gone with what annabelle really looked like because part of the part of the horror is that she looks so innocent she looks very cute that's actually a quite quite a cute doll are you seeing the glass case now i am yeah it's famous famous thing wow what a screwed up room that must be 
That's the room where all the, the Warrens have all of their paranormal artifacts, Dan. Look, look at the little the demonic thing next to it. There's like a, a little card that looks like a demon. There's also a monkey with the symbols in that room. You know those monkeys from the 50s? That clang the symbols? Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, somewhere yeah. in there. Like monkey shines. Yes. Monkey, yeah. That awful monkey. They have a doll that that's being hung. Okay, Dan, the story's not over. You thought it was, but it ain't. A visitor reportedly tapped on the glass surrounding Annabelle's case and laughed at the ridiculous story of the haunted doll. On his way home, he lost control of his motorcycle and collided with a tree. He was killed instantly and his girlfriend suffered massive internal injuries. The survivor, the girlfriend, claims that seconds before the accident, the two had been laughing over how ridic ridiculous the legend of Annabelle was. I'm just, I'm being sincere. I'm freaked out. Like I'm looking at that picture of it in its glass case and I actually, I've just turned it off. I don't want to see it. It's I freaking me out. I find the fact that she's such an innocent looking doll part of the scariness. I, and I guess too, of all the stories that we talk about, the ones that freak me out the most are the demonic possession ones. Yeah. Because they're just very weird. Well, and this was apparently a really powerful demon. One of the most powerful the Warrens had ever been confronted with. All right, now, Dan, we got to be reasonable people. So it's important to note, we have no idea who Donna and Angie were. Mm. We can't track them down. We do not know the names of the motorcyclists or the priest who experienced car, the car crash. Now, neither Father Cook or Father Hagen ever spoke of the alleged exorcism. Exorcisms, actually. So we have to take the Warrens at their word on mm -hmm. this. And are they people that you can take at their word? Well, we're going to investigate that in a later in episode. episode. Yeah. Okay. I love the Warrens. I find them absolutely fascinating. And their credibility, I don't know, they seem to have a lot of credibility because they weren't really looking for a lot of fame. So, you know, it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get into it now. Let's they not have get like into a it. Ghostbuster vibe to them. Yes. Yes, exactly. It seemed that their motivation was helping rather than getting on Dr. Phil. You know what I mean? At that time, it would have been Donahue. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, Sally Jesse Raphael. No, she was the the late eighties, right? So Annabelle, where is she now, Dan? Where mm -hmm. is she now? Where is she now? She is now in the Warren's Occult Museum. Oh, they have a museum. Yeah, the Warrens are both dead, right? And that is operated by their daughter Judy and her husband Tony. I should note that Ed trained Tony to be his successor and trusted him to take care of and watch over all of the strange and unsettling artifacts that they had gathered during a lifetime spent investigating paranormal phenomena. Tony claims, and this is the, um, the husband of their daughter, he claims that Annabelle is the most dangerous object in the museum. Really? Of all the objects in the museum. In 2020, not too long ago, mm -hmm. there was a story circulating on social media that Annabelle had escaped and was at large. <gasps> However, that was quickly quelled when Tony posted a video of himself standing next to the doll's case and the story immediately died. Annabelle had not, in fact, escaped and she was very safe in her case that was surrounded by prayers and blessings. And so that, Dan, is a very short episode for me this week, but that is the skin and bone of the legend of Annabelle, arguably the most well-known haunted doll in the entire world. Would you want to see that museum? Fuck yeah. I don't know. I don't know that I would. Like I'm looking at that picture and I'm freaked out. <laughs> 
Like if it's anything like that room that we, I don't know if that's in the museum what I was looking at or if that it was is. their it's home. It is, it's a museum. I don't want to see that. Dan, the museum was in their home. Oh my God, it's in their house? Yes. Oh, I don't know if I could do it. Yeah. I'd be the- so spooked that something bad would happen. I would never sleep a wink. Yeah, I could do ghost houses. I mean, you know, I've told that's my own story about being in death row here in Ottawa in the old prison. And I just couldn't do that. Not if there's if, if, if there's a chance there's a d- demon that could, I don't know. I just, I find that gross. Well, it's yeah, scary. the doll and all of the, and I mean, that room is full of stuff. Mm-hmm. I think though the museum might have moved. I have to check on that. That'll be in my Warren episode. But I think the museum might be in a building where it's now a proper museum. I think you can go visit. Let's find out. Hold on. I am going on the internet. The internet. internet. The internet. Riley is going on the internet. He's going to find something today. He's searching all the rooms. He's finding all the things. The Warren Occult Museum, where the Annabelle doll is located, has been closed to the public since 2019. Oh, why? Not that I want to know. I'm disappointed. Why is it closed? It's permanently closed. Oh, man. Not, again, why am I, why am I saying that? Because I've just finished saying I didn't, I don't want to go. Oh, traffic generated by the museum was inconveniencing neighbors. Oh, they never moved it. I lied. I'm a fool. It didn't move to a building. It stayed as a residential house. And, um... That's what happened. It was just too much traffic. Okay. So so it's just that these things are in the house now. There, it's The museum's still there. It's just close to the public. I, I think, though, that there's he's working to try to open it, reopen it. But again, let's leave that for the um, for the Warrens, because I'll have read a whole bunch of books yeah, yeah, by yeah, then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, Dan, that is the story of Annabelle, a lovely little um, amuse-bouche before we actually uh, dive into the Warrens. Now, I can't promise that the Warrens is going to be in this season. Uh, we'll see how I do with my research on that, but uh, it mm. is coming down the tracks toot toot. Yeah, some of our shows take longer to research than others. Like Jack the Ripper was like that for me. I want to do a good job on this. Um, I am shocked at how quickly this episode went. I thought it would be at least an hour, and it's only 40 minutes so far. Who cares? I know, I just don't want people to feel cheated. Well, it's free, so you can pay anything. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It is free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, that was perfect. You are so hilarious sometimes, and you don't even know it. <laughs> that was hilarious. Well, it's free. Yeah, they can't be cheated if you didn't pay anything for it. If they were buying it for ten bucks and they aren't getting a regular length, who cares? Ah, you know what? Dan Carlin does that. He has his quick episodes and he has his five-hour episodes. So. I, I loved, I actually really loved that story, Riley. I think that was excellent. Job well done. Thank you, sir. Any of your episodes where you freak me out, those are some of my favorites. Well, I like Annabelle. I like the story. And like I said, the, the, my favorite feature of this whole tale is the fact that it's not the traditional haunted doll. It doesn't look like Chucky. It doesn't look like a Victorian porcelain doll with a broken face. It in no way, shape, or form looks spooky. It just looks like a Raggedy Ann doll, which is a very happy doll. Same with Robert. Yes. Yeah, well, Robert was a little bit... Mm, a little creepy, it? but he didn't look like a Victorian doll. No, he didn't look like what you think of when you think haunted doll. My So I, I record from my basement because it's nice and carpeted and things don't bounce down here, but there's a closet that's actually sealed in my basement. 
And inside that closet are two marionettes hanging. And my children are terrified of them. And that's part of the reason why they're now in a sealed closet. And they're, they're spooky. Are you lying? No. No, no, I'm serious. Oh, they're really terrified? I thought you were, you were joking. No, they're, they're scared of them. Yeah. Dolls are creepy, man. Dolls are creepy. I, I know people who are very freaked out by clown dolls. They can't handle it. Yeah, I, I, I had a clown doll that I didn't like. Marion has this big doll that she had as a kid that she tried to give. You talked about that. My and daughter. It's full Like, it's very tall. And it's very tall. And we've renamed, I don't know, I can't remember what its actual name was. It might have been like Tommy or something, but we've renamed it Dennis. And my, it, I think it might be in that closet as well. Maybe we need to do an episode on Dan's closet. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the things that you'd find in there, Riley. The things you'd find in there. Indeedy weedy. All right, folks, we always love it when you join us on this wild, weird ride. And all we ask in return is that you just subscribe and stay with us. We love that our audience keeps growing. Are we still growing, Dan? Yeah, it's strange. I find it strange. because And fascinating it, yeah. and fabulous. Yeah. It's the fact that it's a it, it has a global reach that I just continuously am surprised by and and overjoyed by we love that you join us folks and it's just a labor of love we love telling you these stories these stories are the kind of stories that have always fascinated us and we hope you have uh an equally i can't speak these are the kind of stories that have always fascinated us and we hope they fascinate you as well dan you got anything just uh, folks please spread the word of the weird and uh thank you so much for listening uh, we do this for you we love you all, and we'll see you next week with another tale of the weird. Good night, everybody. Internet, the internet. Riley's going on the internet. He's going to find something today. He's searching all the rooms. He's finding all the things. 